0: New tonight, a truly inspiring story. As the world went by, a local bus driver boldly stepped in, saving the life of a suicidal woman. The dramatic scene was all captured on camera. And tonight, George Rickard
1: sat down with this real-life guardian angel.
2: In the three years that Darnell Barton has been driving a Metro bus, he's met all kinds of people. But a young lady who he came upon one recent Friday afternoon, he will never forget. Driving the Elmwood 20 bus southbound toward Buffalo State College, this on-bus surveillance shows the lady standing on the narrow ledge outside the railing over the Skajakwood Expressway. Ma'am,
0: are you okay? It didn't seem real because of what was going on around. You know, the traffic was going as normal. You know, pedestrians going by as normal. Ma'am, are you okay? She was she was distraught. She was distant. She was re- really disconnected. I grabbed her, and um. I grabbed her arm and I put my arm around her and I said, do you do you want to come on this side of the guardrail? And um, that was actually the first time she actually spoke to me. She said, yes.
2: Darnell does believe it was fate.
0: It was meant to be. I, I was supposed to be there uh, for her at that moment. And, and I was. I wanted to convey that, you know, whatever it was, I'm going to, we're going to help you through whatever it is. And it's not as serious as jumping onto the 198.
2: Darnell thinks most of his co-workers would have done the same thing. They call him Big Country, a big man with a big heart. And after he did what he did, the passengers gave him a round of applause.
0: I felt like I did what I was supposed to do at the time. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a football guy, so, you know, when you sit on the bench and a coach calls your number, you got to go in there and make a play, and you got to do what 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 the play calls for, and I think that's what I did.
2: That bus was filled with mostly McKinley High School students, who he says were extremely well behaved in that 15 or 20 minutes that he had this life and death situation to deal with. You
1: know, I, I forgot for a second that he was there with a the whole bus right. full of people until they right. started clapping. Oh yeah. my gosh, it's so great to know that there are people like that out there.
2: And there's others like him. There were two others, uh, corrections officers, who saw this whole thing from the 198, parked his car, climbed the embankment and I'm caught kidding. up with those two, and a lady who counsels for a living who also came in, and together they all talked her into going going with police and getting the help she needs. Oh,
1: what a wonderful story.
2: Good story. Thank you, George. Yeah. Hey, isn't that a good story? Yeah, go ahead.
1: It's so encouraging when you hear stories about someone getting involved and in helping someone, making a difference in their life. But did you notice at the beginning of the news report, in, in the, uh, the bus video, the guy on the bicycle riding by, and, and the other one who was just, you know, a pedestrian just walking walking by, trying to pretend she wasn't there, ignoring her, acting like they, they didn't see her. And I think all of us can relate to that because we've all had those experiences when perhaps we knew we should do something, we should engage in some way, and for whatever reason, fear. Being uncomfortable, different things cause us to, to bicycle on paths or to walk on paths, right? I mean, we've all been there at least once in our life, haven't we, where we, we didn't stop and engage to help somebody the way we could have or even even should have. And I think as followers of Jesus Christ, that, that sometimes is true, not only what God's asking us to do in terms of serving and loving people, but, but it happens to us a lot in this whole area of helping people know that there's a God who loves them, who wants a relationship with them. We, we, we bicycle past people. We walk on past. when God is saying to us, slow down and engage with that person because that person needs me. That person is lost. That person is living in their sin. That person's life is a mess. That person's headed to hell if they die today. And I want you to be my instrument of love in their life, my instrument of bringing the gospel to them. And sometimes we don't want to pull the bus over. We don't want to slow down. We don't want to stop. We don't want to engage. We, we don't want to invite. We don't want to witness. We don't want to pray. We don't want to help. We just want to bicycle past. We just want to keep on walking. Is that, is that not true? I've done that before, haven't you? Have you done that? Have you ever, are you like me? Have any of you ever just bicycled on by when God said stop and talk? Am I the only one that's done that? No, you've done that? We, we, we all are guilty of that. And life is going to be so much better And life is going to be so much better when we're guilty of doing that less than we've been in the past. When we start doing a better job of pulling the bus over. I love the quote near the end of the video when he said, I'm I'm a football guy. You remember that? I'm a football guy. When you sit on the bench and the coach calls your number, you've got to go in there and make a play. And I just want to say to us, There are going to be moments in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ when God says, get up off the bench, get into the game, make a play. Pull the bus over, talk to someone, invite someone, share the gospel with someone, love someone, get in the game, and make a play. So today as we wrap up this sermon series, No Excuses, I want us to focus on not making excuses when it comes to God using us to make a difference in this world. Not making excuses when it comes to God using us to, to share his love and message of salvation with someone who desperately needs it. Because I'm convinced that perhaps you know if, if there's two areas where Christians make excuses for not obeying Jesus more than any other area, it's probably something to do with money and something to do with evangelism. Those are the two areas where we tend to make a lot of excuses, money and evangelism, because those are those are things that just scare us. And so we want to focus on not making excuses when it comes to letting God use us to keep someone from going to hell. Not make excuses so that God uses us to help someone know their sins can be forgiven and their life can be different than it's been in the past. And every Sunday... We've looked at a biblical example, one person who would inspire us and encourage us. And this morning, I invite you to open your Bible to the book of Acts, chapter 20. We're going to look at one incident in the life of the Apostle Paul so we can learn and we can be challenged and we can be encouraged. Now, while you're turning there, let me just remind you, Paul was born into a Jewish family, did not grow up in Jerusalem per se. He was a Hellenistic Jew, so he had that Greek culture, but he was a Jew and a very devout Jew. When Paul was an adult, he became a follower of Jesus Christ and in time became a preacher and a missionary and would spend years planting churches in what today we would know as the country of Turkey and the nation of Greece, those, those areas predominantly. He would invest his life taking the gospel to the people who lived there and planting churches, a great, great missionary. Now later in his life, near the end of his life, Paul was on his way to Jerusalem one last time where he would be arrested, shipped off to Rome, and then eventually, in all likelihood, martyred for the faith. On his way to Jerusalem, Paul passed near the city of Ephesus, a place that he had started a church and for three years been their pastor previously in his life. And so as he's, as he's on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, not far from the city of Ephesus, he has the leaders of that church meet him on the beach. And they have this very heartfelt conversation of farewell. And they're trying to talk Paul out of going to Jerusalem because they know it's risky, that if he goes there, he's at great risk. And Paul says, I know you're telling me the truth because everywhere I've been, the Holy Spirit keeps telling me that, that what awaits me is affliction and bondage, that there's some tough times coming. And yet Paul said, in spite of that, I am bound by the Spirit to go. And the Greek language of the New Testament, is the picture of, of a rope being tied around Paul and pulling him. And he said, even though you're telling me that it's risky for me to go to Jerusalem, And I know it's risky because God's even made it clear to my own heart that it's risky for me to go there and afflictions await me. It's like God has this rope around me and he's pulling me toward that anyway. It's his plan. It's his will for my life and I've got to do it. And the thing that really amazes me is is that even though Paul knew it was going to be rough, he was still willing to do what God was calling him to do. Now, See, one of the challenges that we who are believers, who are followers of Christ, face is we're tempted to think that life is always supposed to be comfortable. That life is always supposed to be easy. And I don't know about you, but I like it better when life is comfortable. I like it better when life is easy, don't you? But somehow we've convinced ourselves that if I live for God, it's supposed to always be comfortable. It's supposed to always be easy. And because we've bought into that, when God is leading us to do something, but it involves us getting out of our comfort zone, it involves us doing something that is risky, it involves us trying something that may not be easy, we pull back. And it may be God tugging us in that direction, but we pull back. And let's be honest, talking to people about Jesus, inviting people to church, sharing with lost people the gospel of Jesus Christ, for some of us that means getting out of our comfort zone in a big way because we're really uncomfortable doing that. And God says, I'm trying to pull you into this world, not to to live like the world, but to be my witness in the world, to be my salt in that world, to be my light in that world. And you can't Do that if you don't allow me to pull you into it so that you can love on people, pray for people, minister to people, serve people, and share with people. Sometimes God's plan for your life will involve moments when it's not easy, moments when it's not comfortable, moments when it may be challenging, moments when it might be hard. And if if the most important thing to you is to always be comfortable, then that's going to keep you at times, from obeying God. Because sometimes the very thing God's asking you to do is uncomfortable. But it's the very thing you need to do. It's the better thing to do. Now think about this, Paul. Paul had a legitimate reason for not going to to Jerusalem. It's risky. Afflictions await me. He could have used that as an excuse not to obey God and go to Jerusalem. But he did not make an excuse. He obeyed God. He went to Jerusalem. Here's my question. Why? What was it about Paul that enabled him to get out of the comfort zone, enabled him to obey, to go and do what God was asking him to do, even though it wasn't comfortable and he knew it was risky? What was it about him and how he viewed himself in life that made that possible. Well, look in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Just this one verse, Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Paul said, I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course in the ministry which I received from from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Now look at the beginning part of that verse. He said, I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself. In your notes, I put how some other Bible translations have that verse. And, and, and one, you know, the NIV says, I, I, I consider my life worth nothing to me. The English Standard Version, I do not account my life of any value as precious to me. Now let, let me explain what's going on. This is the image of a CPA, of an accountant. It's the image of an appraiser. And it's like he's looking at these different things in life and trying to establish their value, their worth. And he's entering that data in a ledger and looking at them side by side. And when he does that, he he comes to a conclusion about his life and its value. Now, he's not saying that life is not valuable. He's not saying that life is not worth anything. Because life is a valuable creation and gift of God. And life is precious and life is beautiful. It is to be valued. He's not saying that. But he's saying when you look at things through God's eyes, from God's perspective, and, and you see the value that is on life, and then you see the value of the gospel, the value of someone being saved and having the eternity in heaven and their sins being forgiven, when you, when you establish the value of God's will, his, as he says here, the, the course, the race that God has for me. When, when you establish the value, place the true worth on living in the will of God, And and when you put on it the the true worth of serving God, or he calls it ministry, it's the word for service. He said, when you look at these different things, what's the value of serving Jesus, and the value of living in the will of God, and the worth and the value of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and people being saved? When you look at the true value of those from God's perspective, in light of eternity, life which has worth, but when compared to those, there's no comparison. Literally in the Greek, he's saying, I do not place one value, not literally not one worth on my life when I look at it in the ledger compared to those other things. Wow. Wow. You see, the problem is we hold on to what we value. And when Paul, in this verse, he says, I do not consider my life, that Greek word consider is the picture of holding on to something. Paul says, if I'm going to hold on to something, I'm going to hold on to the will of God. If I'm going to hold on to something, I'm going to hold on to the gospel. I'm going to hold on to serving Jesus. I'm going to hold on to those things more tightly than I'm going to hold on to my life and the comfort of, of it and and having all the things that I want in life because, you see, what matters most to us is what we tend to hold on to the tightest. And some of us struggle to obey God, struggle to pull the bus over and engage because it's inconvenient. And we value comfort more than inconvenience. We value we value comfort more than making a difference in someone's life. We we value comfort more than eternal salvation. We we value comfort more than the gospel. We value comfort more than the kingdom of God. Now Paul's way of looking at, at stuff that's radical. This this is not easy. And most people in the world don't get it. The truth is those of us who are followers of Jesus struggle with it. But we get it because Jesus said something about if you're going to be my disciple, what do you have to do? Climb up on the cross and deny yourself. Take up your cross and deny Yourself, and that means that all the things you want in life and all the comforts of life cannot mean more to you as an obedient follower of Jesus Christ than does the gospel and God's kingdom work in this world. Because if your comfort matters more, your comfort will always win out, and the kingdom and the gospel will lose out. That's a big challenge. For a believer. See, here's the thing. If people and their needs matter to us, we get involved. When the church and God's work in this world matter, we give of our financial resources. When people's relationship with Jesus, when their eternal destiny matter to us, we serve. We, we invite them to church. We pray for them. We tell them about Christ. When other things matter more to us than those things, then we don't. Do those things, and we make excuses for not doing them. Paul wanted, Paul, as he determined the value of everything, he wanted to remain focused on his ultimate purpose in life. And so he said, "When I when I value all these things, when I appraise all this stuff, and I realize that yes, this life of mine is a beautiful thing, but." People being saved and going to heaven, me living in the the will of God and doing what God's asked me to do, that's more valuable than than everything in life being perfect. This stuff is more valuable than, than, than me having 15 vacation homes. Okay? This is more valuable than me never being inconvenienced, never sacrificing. And Paul wanted to not forget that, and so he wanted his life to reflect it. And that's why he said in verse 24 that I may finish. He said, I have this attitude in order that, so that. He said, I want to finish my race. All of us are on some racetrack. We're all on some walking course. We're living life. It is important that we be on the right, the correct racetrack, that we walk on the correct course. Because how tragic would it be to get to the end of life, look back and realize we've been on the wrong racetrack the whole time. We we spent our decades on planet earth and we've been running the wrong course the entire time. How tragic. But not just that, we need to run it the right way. Paul said, I want to finish Finishing well matters. By the way, you can't finish well if you don't start and stay on the right track. you got to get on the right track and stay on it. That's the only way you can finish well. But here's the other thing. Once you're on the right track, that doesn't guarantee you stay on it. you got to stay on it if you're going to finish well. Paul said, I want to finish well. And we all know the tragic stories of people who don't finish well. He said, not just that. He said, I want, I want to finish not just that race, I want to finish the ministry that God gave me. In the Greek, it's diakonia, the word for service. He said, I, I don't want to spend my golden years not serving. And by the way, retirement from a career does not mean retirement from serving Jesus. Did you get that? Retirement from your career does not mean retirement from loving on babies in the nursery. Retirement from your career does not mean... I should have preached this in the first service. Maybe they'll watch it on TV. (laughs) But there's some of you in here getting close to that, right? You don't retire on Jesus. Yeah, we go through stages of life and change, but you don't retire. you, You keep serving. You keep serving. Maybe how you serve changes, but you keep serving. This morning in the first service, I bragged on Christy Bradley. I don't know which service she's in. I, I talked to her out in the lobby. I don't know where she's at right now. But uh, I think it was last weekend. Melissa, help me if I'm wrong, Christy left a message at her house on, on the voicemail on her home phone. She was organizing a meal for um, a family in their Sunday school class who'd lost a loved one. Now, that's not unusual. But those of you who know Christy know that her husband, who's, you know, they're about our age, early Started battling, you know, form of dementia and so on. She's having to care for him. But last weekend, when she was organizing that meal, her daughter, her daughter was having induced labor for a child that was being born dead. So here she is as a grandmother dealing with that that weekend. And that very weekend, she's still organizing a meal. Do you get what I'm saying? Y'all have heard me with some real passion at times talk about how heartbreaking it is around here with all you know in our world today, with all the, the couples who seem to struggle with marriage. And it breaks my heart that so many so many adults today don't seem to know how to have a good relationship. And and um and I'm, I'm not going to want you know, a lot of people are burdened about that. But I told them a few moments ago, I told Brad, Kim, I didn't tell you, but I told Brad a few moments ago, I'm, I'm going to brag on the two of you all, because Kim and Brad over here, Vicar, they, they lead one of our young adult Sunday school classes, and they're burdened about that same issue. And so they've started, I think it's Friday nights, Friday nights having young couples into their home. They, they lead the Sunday school class. They're going to still do that, but they're having young couples in their home on Friday night, you know, just to, to love on them and answer questions and mentor do, do you get what I'm saying? See, when when God's kingdom and, and you being an instrument of blessing to others, you, you know that God can change lives, that God can help people, that people need Christ and they need salvation. When that's your heart, when you get that, you don't mind being inconvenient sometimes. You don't mind getting out of your comfort zone sometimes. You don't mind taking risk occasionally. Because that need, that purpose, that mission of God matters more. By the way, that's true not just for individual believers. That's also true for a church. true for a church. He said, I want to serve. I want to run the right race. I want to finish this thing. And he said, I want to do it testifying solemnly at the end of verse 24, testifying solemnly of the grace of the gospel, of the grace of God. He said, I I just want to keep telling people about Jesus. And in the the Greek language, that's that's emphatic. It's, It's almost like There's an intensity to it, and it's repetitive. He said, I'm going to be passionate about it, and I'm going to keep doing it. And I don't know if you know this, but if Paul had allowed the risk of being arrested in Jerusalem to be an excuse for not obeying Jesus, he would have missed, he would have missed some of the greatest work he ever did as a missionary. Because Paul was arrested in Jerusalem and he did become a prisoner. But after he was arrested, Jesus appeared to Paul and told him that Paul that that he would use Paul's being a prisoner as an opportunity for him to share the gospel with some of the most powerful people in the Roman Empire. And as Paul moved from place to place as a prisoner from Jerusalem on his way to Rome, he witnessed to the powers that be of the most powerful nation on the planet during his lifetime. God used his being a prisoner to open doors to share the gospel with people he would never have had access to otherwise. And sometimes because we're afraid, we don't want to pull the bus over and engage, we don't want to get out of the comfort zone, we don't want to sacrifice, we miss out. We miss out. Dr. Jerry Vines is retired. He still preaches, but for years he was co-pastor and then pastor of First Baptist Church Jacksonville. Back in the 1980s, Jerry Vines was in line one day at a at a a flower stand, and there were several people in line with him, and he uh, he waiting to pay he felt God tell him to talk to this young lady that was in line with him. Talk to her, just you know, engage her and talk to her about Christ. And, but, but he didn't say anything. Sometime later, Jerry Vines was at that same flower stand. And this time when he went up to the counter to pay for his flowers, the girl that had been in line with him before that God prompted him to talk to, now she, she was there again, but this time she was behind the counter and she'd gotten a job there. She spoke to him. And she said, Here, here's some literature that I want you to take and read because I think it'll change your life. So he took it home. When he looked at it, now remember this is the 1980s? It was some material from a cult. Some of you my age will remember the Unification Church. We used to call them the Moonies. Any of y'all remember the Moonies back in the 80s? The Moonies. It's a cult. Okay, just one of those weird cult groups. You know, Hare Krishnas and all that stuff? You got you? Okay. Do you know when they spoke to her and gave her their material? The same day, he first stood in line with her and God had prompted him to speak. Do you think God is wasting your time when He prompts you to serve, when He prompts you to pray for someone, when He prompts you to invite someone to church, when He prompts you to say something to someone about Jesus, when He prompts you to share the story of how God has worked in your life so that they can be encouraged to know that He can work in their life too? Do you think God's just wasting your time whenever He prompts you to pull the bus over and engage God sees so much more than you and I see. knows so much more than we know. And when God prompts, there's a reason. And you and I may never know all of those reasons. It doesn't matter. What matters is pulling the bus over and obeying. Darnell Barton, the Buffalo bus driver in the video, in, a, in an interview... With the local newspaper. Read, read what he said. This is a quote from that article. Read what he said. The Bible says we are to be ready in season and out of season. You, you've got to be ready. And I love this. I mean, God is speaking incredible truth to us from a bus driver. If you've got time to do anything, you've got time to do the what? Man, isn't that brilliant! If you have time to do anything, you have time to do the right thing. You can't say it any better than that. And so this week, I want to encourage you to do the right thing. And I've got something very, very specific in mind. Next Sunday, not not for the community, but for this church. Next Sunday, for this church, for us, for us, for me, for you, Next Sunday is No Excuse Sunday. And here's the challenge. That not one of us make an excuse this week. That not one of us make an excuse this week for not doing everything we can to have someone in this service sitting beside us next Sunday who needs Jesus. That we not make an excuse for not doing what we can to have someone here with us next week who needs to make something right with God, who needs encouragement in their walk with God, who needs a relationship with Christ, that we don't make an excuse. We've planned next Sunday with those people in mind, not not me, not you in mind, but with them in mind. And uh, here's what we're going to do. Now, you all know I love to preach, right? Yeah, okay. I get it. Sometimes after 45 minutes, you, all right, that's enough. I get, you, you, know, you know I like it. I will be here next Sunday, but I will not preach. And for me to give up the pulpit on a Sunday when I'm here, that's a big deal, Right? I don't do that much. Next Sunday, in place of the sermon, now don't lose me. Stay with me. We're going to show you a 30-minute video. It's produced by the Billy Graham ministry. It's not the one you saw on TV back in November, the cross. It's not that video. It's another one. It's a better video. And you see the the screen a Super Bowl champion, a Grammy Award nominee, and a world-class illusionist, you're going to hear the stories of three people whose life was headed the wrong direction until Jesus got hold of them and turned them around. And I'll promise you that half the people in here will be wiping tears away when the video is finished. It will touch your hearts. It's powerful. If you cry easily, bring a, bring a, bring a roll of paper towels. <laughs> Who do you need to invite? That relative who's been running from God? The neighbor you've been getting to know? The classmate or friend or co-worker you've been thinking about inviting to church? We're going to give an, an evangelistic invitation next week and I, we've got material ready to, to give them and we're going to counsel with them and, and we're, we're, we're ready to follow up and work with people who accept Christ next week. Now, listen, I cannot promise you that every person you invite will come. I can promise you if you, if you invite no one, no one will come. And I can promise you that, that if you invite several people, the odds are somebody will come. I can promise you that if there are people here who need Jesus Christ, I can't promise you that all of them are going to be saved, but I can promise you that if there are enough people here, some of them will be saved. But I do know this that if they're not here, nobody will be saved. And I'm, uh, I, there's one more thing I'm going to promise you right now. If you don't do everything you can to to have someone with you next week to invite someone, you you come and you see the video. When you leave and you didn't invite anybody, okay, you didn't invite anybody. When you leave, I can promise you, you will walk out the door after watching that video next Sunday thinking to yourself, man, I wish I had invited so-and-so. I wish so-and-so had been here to hear that. That would have been great for so-and-so. I promise you, if you watch the video and you don't invite anybody, you will leave here with regrets. And I don't want you to leave here with regrets. A great opportunity to invite anyone you've ever been thinking about inviting. Now, we to help you because it's always easier to talk to someone when you have something to give them. We have prepared these invitation cards that are the size of a business card for you to use when inviting people. And we have them bundled in sets of three. These cards are identical to what's on the screen. They have the time of our two services. They're blank on the back, so you can write a note if you want to. You can get one set of three. You can get multiple sets. That's up to you. But, as I wrap this up, we're not going to pass them out at the door. Paul, at the end of verse 24, said, Solemnly testify. This, this, this is serious. Paul said, Taking the gospel to people is more important than my own life. That's what he said, wasn't it? This is solemn. This is serious. This is real business. And I'm asking you to make a sacred commitment. I'm asking you to make a solemn commitment. And one way to do that and to kind of just seal it in our hearts and minds is these cards, these invitation cards are going to be at the altar we have uh, four deacons and so on who are going to be here with baskets. And they're already bundled. And when we sing this next song and have the invitation, I'm inviting you as a way of just making your commitment to the Lord to do. Now, you can't control whether or not someone accepts your invitation. But you can control whether or not you invite someone. You're making a commitment to invite. Okay? And a commitment to pray for them every day this week. I'm going to ask you to walk down to the front and get one or more sets out of the basket and then use them this week. Now pastors are here and some of you need to come and kneel around the front somewhere and pray about something in your life. Some of you need to join this church. Some of you need to give your life to Christ and become a Christian right now. You don't need to wait till next Sunday. You need to do that right now. So let's stand together. We're going to sing and the, those who have the baskets, have the invitation cards, you are coming to the front right now quickly and just lining up across the front here. And I'm going, to, I'm going to ask you to just make your way to where they are and get these and pray about anything you want to. And guys, let's just spread out all the way across. Let's sing, Brother Will. And you just start coming now and make your commitment by getting these. Come on, right now.